In today's world, we are increasingly dependent on technology. Our business and personal lives rely on it, but as you've probably noticed, it's unreliable. They promise it'll get better, but it usually gets worse. Our computers are slow, so we end up squinting at smartphones and tablets. We live in constant fear that something's going to happen to our personal data. So we're scared into paying for fake protection that proves useless when disaster strikes. Update attacks, fake Wi-Fi, cloud control, and other industry scandals are designed to keep the money flowing. The jokers we pay to fix our stuff have no clue what they're doing, so they do a virus scan and then wipe out our precious photos. Intelligent, successful people feel intimidated by the chaos and think it's somehow their fault. If they only knew what the industry was doing to them, they'd get torches and pitchforks. If only we had someone to explain it all in plain English so we can start protecting ourselves. Oh wait, we do! It's the Computer Exorcist Podcast with your host, Mark Anthony Arena. From the Wallace Memorial microphone in my home office, overlooking the can of worms in downtown Rochester, New York, this is the Computer Exorcist Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Mark Anthony Arena. Got a special guest for you. As always, fascinating special guests on the show. This is Daniel Andrews, who I met on one of the online networking meetings that I use to meet people in non-Rochester. And because they're in non-Rochester, they're fascinating and productive human beings who are doing something with their lives. Daniel is an expert on making connections, right? The reason why I got into non-Rochester networking meetings is because I was sick of the ones I was going to here. It was just, here's my resume, here's my business card, okay, moving on to the next one, right? They were just, it was a numbers game for people. I just want to get my resume and business card in the hands of as many people as possible, and then maybe somebody will like me. But forgettable. If you do that, if it's a numbers game, right? You got to actually get to know people. I've made more contacts and more clients from the Italian club I go to because it's relaxed and you actually get to know each other, right? And and so Daniel, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Yeah, and you know, la- um last Saturday I was at this thing. It's it was um it was a Sicilian men's thing and it was my second time there and it's just men letting their hair down, so to speak, and we we just eat, and we smoke cigars, and drink Chianti, and just talk with each other, you know, a lot of chest hair, and gold chains, and, <laughs> but that, you know, I was talking to a guy, and I said, hey, how much do you pay for your Verizon bill, and he goes, $502 a month, and I said, we're gonna fix this, and he goes, I can't wait, I hate those Verizon, I'm gonna call you this week, mm-hmm. that's it, right? You get to know each other. Yeah. Well, uh, yes. There's there's a mentality that I don't think reflects a character issue as much as a skills issue at mm-hmm. what are typically referred to as networking events. I have my own descriptors, you know, and my own feelings about those, <laughs> as you and I discussed the other day. But uh, I think most people say that they're networking. Uh, and they actually kind of given the wrong name to what they're doing. What they're doing is speed prospecting. 
people tend to communicate with a one-dimensional model of, of, of interaction at a business networking event or something where they feel that business networking is appropriate. And that is, you know, you made a reference to resume, you know, so the one question there is, you know, will you hire me, right? If it's a business card, it's, you know, it, you know, will you buy my stuff, right? And one of my uh, early mentors, uh, more recent mentors, I should say, Earl Flamata, early in our conversation, uh, he said, yeah, the $5 question is, will you buy my stuff? Meaning it's fairly limiting. He said, the $50 question is, who do you know that will buy my stuff? And there is timing to that question, by the way, which I can talk about in a minute. But the $500 question is, who do you know that would know a lot of people that would buy my stuff? And that's, yeah. I've been doing yeah, that just subconsciously <laughs> when I'm in networking meetings recently, right? I go to the this Zoom-based networking, and I say that. I don't look for clients anymore. I say, hey, you know what? Do you know anyone who wants me to come give a talk? Mm-hmm. Right. And and um, the third, who do you know that would know a lot of people that would buy my stuff? And those are key qualifiers. Indicates an awareness of what I call a key referral partner. Depending on your industry, there are other people in related industries that aren't selling what you're selling, but they're selling alongside you. Yeah, what was that example you told me? Well, there's several. The one that I like the best uh, is um, John Gates is one of my clients. He's a salary negotiation coach. Clearly, his target market is job hunters or people looking to move up in their organization. Amanda Valbert is a resume writing coach. Clearly her job market is job hunters or people looking to move up in their organization. Both of them are offering things to people that want to be employed and therefore John will never hire Amanda to help write his resume. He's got a very successful business. He doesn't need a resume. Amanda will not hire John to help her negotiate salary. She's her own boss. She's gonna talk to her, right? But if they do things right, and by that I mean if they take the time to build confidence, trust, relationship with each other, John should ultimately feel comfortable referring most or all of his clients to speak to Amanda about the resume, and Amanda should feel comfortable recommending to most or all of her clients that they talk to John Gates. Yeah, so they don't need each other per se. They'll never hire each other. But they're, mm-hmm. they both are looking for the same audience. I love the other example that you gave me the other day. I love is um, a moving company, a moving van, and a divorce yeah. attorney. They don't sure. need each other, but unfortunately, they're serving the same group of people. Right, and you know, and, and I brought up the moving company and the divorce attorney because that's a good example of how people miss the second degree or the not so obvious connections. Obviously a mover and a realtor could do a lot of good for each other, mm-hmm. right? But but by the, you know, mostly the realtor is gonna serve the mover, right? Meaning nobody, the, the realtor is aware of the timeline of the move. Nobody engages the mover and then tries to get the house bought or sold, right? Ah. So typically the realtor would probably provide more referrals to the to the mover. That doesn't mean that the mover can't make the realtor feel supported by supplying leads when appropriate or simply doing the job so well that the realtor looks good, right? All the vendors that a realtor recommends actually ultimately reflects back on the realtor's reputation. So doing a good job could be sufficient. But, um, you know, when you stop and think about a mover and a divorce attorney, right? You know, the, the, you know, the timing of the move, it can be very 
close to the timing of the divorce of their decision to divorce, right? You know, I, I know of people that literally packed and moved out while the spouse was at work, right? I mean, you know, they you know, didn't even didn't even say the words divorce until after the move happened. Whoa. So those two are not in related industries. You wouldn't say there's much somewhere about you know personal services, you know, legal services and you know home services. But those two those two industries are relevant to each other without necessarily being related. Oh, you know, it's funny. There was I read somewhere that in the eighties, uh, Steve Jobs threw a party with computer executives and music industry executives. And if you put yourself back to the eighties, that was preposterous. They were totally unrelated. But nowadays, it's all one and the same, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people will sometimes see the obvious connection and and miss the non-obvious. And uh, what's good about when you catch the non-obvious is that there's not that many people in your space trying to build those relationships, right? Like every real estate agent is inundated by mortgage lenders and every mortgage lender is inundated by real estate agents, right? And I'm not saying that those two shouldn't pursue professional relationships with each other. But once the realtor moves outside that and starts to deal with HR executives that are hiring people that move into the area or a funeral home director that's handling, you know, that may be aware of a house that's no longer occupied, right? And needs to be sold. Um, uh, nursing home uh, placement people, people that help with, uh, you know, assisted living placements. You know, there's not that many realtors running those people down or again, divorce attorneys, right? There's not that many people running those people down. And so they have less competition for the ability to build a relationship. Yeah. And you know, when I was in college, I had a small business with my dad. We were building and selling custom computers and that's great. But I was putting up little posters, little flyers at my college, which was a tech college. So I was dime a dozen and I wondered why I wasn't getting any calls. Hello, I was in the wrong thing. I should have done the opposite, which is what you're talking about. I should have gone to places. Turns out, you know, I talked to someone a couple weeks ago who goes to some kind of an academic kind of college, right, where they're getting basket weaving Mm -hmm. degrees. And she said, like, we all need you, right? Right. Yeah, Savannah College of Art and Design, RISD, Rhode Island School of Art and Design, right? Uh Uh-huh, where they're not tech. Yeah. You know. That's interesting. And I like how you told me, um, so, so basically to sum up, you know, the, I like how you put that is it's not bad. It was just speed. Um, what did you say? Prospecting. Speed yeah. Prospecting. yeah. Speed prospecting. Right. right. They're, they're, it's a one dimensional conversation to them, which, yeah. which is not as effective as a multidimensional conversation. Right. And number two, it's off putting. Right. Nobody likes to be treated like a prospect right. until they've identified themselves as a prospect. Right. I mean, you and I go to the store, go to the mall, rarely anymore but we do and we walk through the door and the clerk says can i help you and what do we always say in response nope just looking right we don't want to be identified as a prospect until we've identified ourselves as a prospect right is no thanks i'm all set right until i want something right and and i try to say that all the time with people you know my computer industry my industry that i'm in they're always pushing 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 and milking people and milking and i never you know i thought when i started my business oh maybe i'll call people once a month or whatever and check on them no i never need to push i just i'm here and i i'm here when you need me and people Mm -hmm. don't they keep my business card they don't need any reminders i don't need to spam people daily right Mm -hmm. there's so much spam in the world um but yeah, so I like what you said, not more connections, but better connections, right? If people, yeah. you know, so it's, it's don't push people, but also like I was saying with the Sicilian clubs I go to is that 
people need to get to know you as a human being, right? And there's some statistic where if you talk to someone for five minutes, you you identify them as your friend and you look for them. And even if there's 10 other people in the building who could serve you, you still want to go to that person because they're your guy. Right. G- g- correct. Because we tend towards the familiar, right? And, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's just, a, it's a natural fact, right? That the, the, the people that we've already met, we feel like at some level we have an awareness of who they are. Now I would say, and, and you want to support that you're at the Sicilian club, a, a social event, right. Mm-hmm. And business is happening. That's a beautiful thing. I, I would say that I, I, and, and there's plenty of situations where that can occur if you do it well. Right. I mean, there's places that I go like for years, I have made a point never to take a business card to church. I don't even That's want to, you know, I just have visions of, you know, Christ coming back and the money changers in the temple, right? You know? Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> you know that story from the New Testament. Right, and I'm, so, I'm always shy about that, but, like, if right, I meet right, someone right. after church, you I, know. If somebody asks me about it, I'll right. talk, but I'm not there, right? And there's a social club I'm a part of. We actually have a Mardi Gras crew here in Columbia. We throw a big Mardi Gras. Really? Most of the people there don't know what I do for a living because oh. it is a space for me where I'm not, you know, actively selling. And I'm not and I, trying to say that you can't ever sell in a social setting. But if you pursue friendship first and try to mix business in, it is more difficult than if you pursue a professional relationship and then later mix friendship in. Uh-huh. See, that's... And again, plenty of business happens in those social settings, like the Sicilian Club you're re- representing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that or that it should be frowned upon. But if all you're doing is determining if people are likable, all you're really doing is determining, you know, do, you know is this person could a potential friend? And I'm not I'm not on the hunt for more friends. I'm on the hunt for more professional relationships. Yeah, that's so you draw a line between friends and, and work contacts, huh? Uh, I, I, there's plenty of people that that can fit in both, but let's not make the assumption that they definitely fit in both, right? Meaning the overlap is there, but think of it this way. Uh, and this is a yes or no question. You'll see in a minute why I emphasize it's a yes or no question. Are there people in your world that have been to your house? For dinner, you know, that you've gone out to the bowling alley, that have come to your house and you, you, you've been to their place for game night, you know, or whatever, but that you actually wouldn't hire them to do what it is they do. Sure. Sure. Right. <laughs> They're not that good at their job. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. And the reverse of that, are there people that you have hired or would hire if you needed them and had needed their services, right? Whether it's for yourself, your family, your business, but you just don't picture them ever coming to your house for game night. Plenty, plenty. They're okay. good at what they do. So, but you want, yeah. So the right. So the fact is that somebody, the, the qualifications for somebody to be in your professional role is either a prospect, a vendor, meaning you're their prospect, or simply a referral partner, is different than the set of qualifications to be a friend. They're not exclusive, but they you shouldn't assume that somebody who's qualified to be one is also qualified to be the other. Oh, I like that. I like, you know, there's there's a couple, like one or two of my clients who I could see inviting to my wedding 30 years from now, but, but um, mo- I see what you're saying is that just be aware that there's differences. You know, um, right. my brother always jokes that he goes, yeah, when Mark goes to church, he's going to put his business card in the collection basket. <laughs> and, um, and, 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 and if you're okay with that, you're okay with that, right? I, I'm not trying to convince anybody not, not to 
prospect and social settings or not to to you know add social elements to the business settings yeah i mean i think it is polite to ask about the family i mean i get a lot of questions these days about my mom you know because my mom's mm-hmm. dealing with some health issues right and it means a lot to me that people care but they're not building their relationship with me as a referral partner or a potential prospect based on the status of my mom Right, right. It's they just care. And that's a huge thing. Like, like, all I was saying there with with meeting people at the Sicilian Club, you know, most of the people there, they're just going to turn out to be friends. But the people I do network with, I want to make sure they Mm -hmm. get to know me as a person and know that I'm not some automaton robotic computer dude who's condescending and, and incompetent and all that. Right. I want them to know why I'm different. And I want them to know I'm a real person. So that's what I yeah. Yep. Yeah. And but I get what you're saying because there's plenty of times when I go into church, I I I've been so burned out for many years. I don't want to talk about business. I get that. I go to this for years I went to this tai chi thing on Saturday mornings. I didn't tell anyone what I did. I'm just a guy in in you know in some sweatshirt and sweatpants and I'm just there to have fun. Yeah. Right. Right. You, you know, you, I, th- I think most of us need a minute where we're off, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. which is the whole notion behind the Sabbath, right? You know, and, yeah. you know, my wife keeps bugging me. She's like, you know, I can't believe you're working Saturday, you know, Saturday. You know, I'm like, God gave us one day off a week, not two, right? That's Henry Ford's invention. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Henry know, Ford you know, invented Saturday. Uh, that's right. Well, I love Saturday. Yeah, I, can I, take, I, I can take all of Sunday off, but. But Saturday, you know, particularly, again, given that a certain amount of my work week is caught up in dealing with my mom's issues, right? You know, there's there's some carryover, right? No, I try my hardest not to work Saturdays, hobbies and errands. And and, uh, and that's fine. Right, exactly. But anyway, I'm in a weird season of my life. But my, my point is just that there, there needs to be some downtime. Whether it's one day a week or two is not the important part. Or three, if you're that successful in business, right? It's just a question of, you know, building in the downtime. Right, right. It's how you do it. Uh, One other key point before we do our article, one other interesting thing that you taught me, um, you know, we talked for like an hour and you taught me so many things. So um, I, I mentioned that uh, I I use a product called Mint and it Mm -hmm. replaces Windows and Mac OS and it plops on any given computer that you have in your shelf and it makes it bulletproof forever. And I said, you know, it's based on Linux, but I never say that because people have already associated the word Linux with scary and hackers and scary and hard. And mm-hmm. so I just say it's a magical product. And and you said I, I did something smart there, how I, instead of trying to redefine and twist a word and make people redefine what they think of a, of a word, I just made up a new one. I just said it's magical. Right. Well, I think language matters, right, in general. Uh, I try to be precise. Uh, I still take responsibility for the information, which is to say, you know, as the person trying to impart a communication or a piece of data, right, it's on me. But I think it can be simplified by, by using words. Um, and the specific example you and I are talking about, because I'm sure some people listen like, I don't even know where this is headed, is that, that I always put air quotes around the word networking. Right. Hmm. And because uh, and and my analogy analogous situation is if I say the word mother, Mark, who's do you think of mine or yours? Oh, that's really interesting. Yours. You've never met mine. Right. So unless there's a weird set of circumstances, I couldn't convince you that the definition of the word mom is, you know, five, ten dark hair teaches high school English. Right. You'd be like, that's not mom at all. Right. That's not what you mean by the word mom. So when I say the word networking, people have already got a set of definitions around networking, networking events, networking groups. 
they've already got their own idea of what that is. It's not networking, and I'm fine with that. But it's easier to tell somebody that you want to accomplish something different than it is to tell them they need to redefine what they think they already know. Because even if they're consciously willing to accept the redefinition, their subconscious will take them back to it over and over and over again. Right. The subtitle of my favorite book, and sometimes I say that and people go, oh, you have a book? I said, no, no, my favorite book. I did not write the book, so let's be clear. It's uh, by a guy named Scott Groves, and the title is Super Connected, but the subtitle is the key, key, key phrase. The subtitle is Stop Networking and Start Building Relationships That Matter. Now, the dramatic clause is inserted by Daniel Andrews, but right, stop networking and start building relationships that matter. He's even willing to acknowledge in his subtitle that whatever you call networking is fundamentally flawed, broken, and not productive. There's another great book, the title of the book. Networking isn't working. Whatever it is you describe as networking is not taking you where you want to go. That's why you're still doing it. Because right, that's why you're still doing it. Right, right. It, it networking is shooting in the dark and getting nowhere. Right, just like dating. If I had someone, I wouldn't be dating. If I had enough clients, I wouldn't be networking. It's the same, right? It, 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 not just enough clients, but also a network that can consistently bring you clients. When I get introduced to people that are described as fully networked in my town, I have to be walked into their office, and there's two keys in that one half of a sentence. I have to be walked in, i.e., I cannot cold call my way into their office. Oh yeah. And number two, their office. They're not in networking events, and they're not at the Chamber of Commerce, and they're not at the happy hours, and they're not at the coffee hours because they're done building their relationships. They prioritize their network, their business relationships first, their customers second, because a customer is never more than one customer. But your network is a lifetime of customers. Everybody in your network, if you've treated them right and you're strategic about your network, represents way more customers than one customer, even more customers than one customer can bring you. There are people that exist that will bring you more referred customers than your customers, all your customers combined ever will. It's fascinating, but they exist. You just have to find them and build a relationship with them. Yeah, I had these people, Abraham and Ethel and and my dad as well. They were my super connectors. Um, But I love what you Mm -hmm. said there is is that you walk into someone's office they're busy doing their own thing and they need you they're not you're not going to find those kind of people at the networking meetings walking around shaking hands right they're too busy those That's good right. clients wow that makes a ton of sense yeah because yeah, i'm like that too you know and it's wow it's it's finding people looking for them where they are and 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 i'll tell you where they aren't is they aren't at those meetings you know handing out peppering peppering their resume everywhere true story wow okay wow revolutionary ideas with daniel andrews so we've got a few minutes left uh let's do an article illinois all right illinois supreme court finds that biometric information privacy act claims accrue with each and every violation and this came from the wilmer hale blog february 2023 Biometric Information Privacy Act, or BIPA, another term we got to get used to, accrue each time that there's a biometric collection or transmission constituting a potential violation, even if the same biometric identifier is being collected or transmitted by the same entity from the same individual, just repeated incidents. Okay, so it's lawmakers trying to find ways where they can fine you multiple times for the same act. With mm-hmm. the potentials for penalties up to five thousand dollars per violation, so they're just going to rack up those penalties here. And they, especially in this automated computer world, 
right? Things yeah. can be duplicated over and over and things are automated. You know, and I press one button and, and something can happen 5,000 times or 10,000 times, no problem. So now you're going to multiply that by $5,000 per incident. Businesses that right. collect and process biometric information should ensure that their practices are compliant with the relevant privacy laws. So now you have to have billions more people on staff to ensure compliance. BIPA, enacted in 2008, um, goes over the collection, retention, disclosure, and destruction of biometric information, like your fingerprints, okay? And your retina scans and facial geometry and all that stuff. The underlying case addressed here is uh, White Castle using a fingerprint-based system for employees to access their pay stubs and computers. Um, Arizona, Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, Minnesota, and the worst state in the Union, New York, have seen proposed standalone legislation. Leave it to New York to botch it, of course. Uh, entities that are considering collecting or obtaining biometrics should be deliberate in building policies that will be BIPA compliant. Alright, I'm going to give you my take on it real fast, and then I'll ask for yours. Sure. So... All of this, in my professional opinion, boils down to people forgetting their passwords. 99% of all people forget all passwords every day. Um, if Look, folks, if, if you're going to forget your password or if you're going to be lazy enough not to care about pa- I tell people all the time, people say, well, I don't use my password every day. My computer guy set it up. I say, look, this is like your birth certificate. You don't use it every day, but it controls your life. Okay, if you're so lazy that you're going to forget your passwords and you don't care to write them down, you're going to forget them all the time, forget them all the time, forget them all the time, then employers like White Castle are going to say, you know what, let's forget about passwords and let's just use your fingerprint. Okay, so it's that next logical step, logical step, and it's like a domino effect. If you're so lazy, then these tech companies are waiting with open arms if you want to give up your freedoms. And right, all of a sudden, Firefox and Google Chrome, we're going to suggest a strong password for you. And now you don't even know your password because it's a 400-character long string that they auto-generated, which will be wiped out as soon as you wipe out your computer or as soon as you forget your Google password. Um, And by the way, passwords are not stolen by individual bad guys talking to individual victims, okay? Passwords are stolen by breaches. So your company is going to have a list of passwords, or in this case, a list of fingerprints. And if that company is infected with Microsoft technology, a bad guy is going to walk in and get everything all together. So if you have a data breach, you're going to lose all your fingerprints now. Right? So it's just chaos on top of chaos on top of chaos. What do you think, Daniel? Um, I'm, I'm super curious, right? I, I, I spent some time before my current field, um, absolutely, you know, uh, focused on, uh, security, privacy, you know, not, um, you know, people not having all their information exposed all the time, you know, and I think that's, that's absolutely an important real thing. Um, I am super curious, uh, right. And I think we're trading, uh, you know, like you said, you're, you're being lazy, but not being alone to remember your passwords, Right. But I am super curious, and maybe maybe it exists, and I just don't know it. So that's why I say curious, as opposed to being against it. Is there enough technology available to take advantage of somebody's fingerprint? Meaning, if I hack a database and I get your social security number and your date of birth, 
or if I get your password, which will allow me to go into your accounts and you know figure out, you know, oh, I forgot my password. Oh, I, you know, looking at the records, right? You, you could probably work your way all the way up to the IRS and get people's social security and date of birth, right? It could be used for fraud. Is there a way, right? It, so if I capture a digital image of your fingerprint, right? I'm a bad guy, you know, I, I find it. Is there technology available that will allow me to use it? Now, I know we watch Mission Impossible, right, where they use masks and, you know, they, they have, you know, fake plastic thumbs with the bad guys, you know, fingerprint on it that they use to access the top secret castle fortress, you know, where the minions are at work, right? But does that technology really exist? If I captured your fingerprint, can I do anything with that? I'd say in the future, right? Okay. Bad guys will take whatever they can get their hands on, no pun intended, but but yeah, um, look at Apple, right? <laughs> Apple's obsessed with fingerprints, so you got your fingerprint ID, your touch ID, right? So Apple's, and Apple knows more about you than you realize, and that's why Apple is so oh, yeah. brutal and ruthless and vicious, because they don't want right. it to get out how much stuff they have on you, so they'll brutally right. attack their clients um, when they forget the passwords or anything like that uh, to, keep, to lock mm-hmm. them out of their own stuff. But, yeah, if, if you got my fingerprint, you could then take it and replicate it and then apply it to, to my iPhone if I had one. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's why I use a, an iPhone 5 because it didn't have fingerprints. But, yeah, absolutely. you could do, and, and as the industry gets worse and worse and more ultra-complex, a lot of stuff, unfortunately, simplicity sometimes in my industry actually turns into consolidation of power. It's it's called the know your client scandal where everything is yep. now based on your phone number. Everything will eventually be based on your fingerprint or retina. So all of a sudden, yep. all this power is concentrated. And I bet you anything, Apple and Google are going to have all of this, and they're going to rule the world. And they're going to laugh at governments and and consider them obsolete. But yeah, it's all about consolidating power. And oh well, it's a convenient way. You don't need passwords, right? And Microsoft's trying to do this too. Oh, break free from passwords. Just use an authentication right. app or a fingerprint. There's, there's, yeah, all sorts of consolidation. Yeah, that's the real threat, yeah. folks. The real threat is it, not bad is. guys. I think it really is. The real threat is is companies consolidating power and becoming monopolies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, when people talk about you know capitalism as the issue, right? You know, we can get a little bit political. It's not. We don't have capitalism. We have corporatism. We're, we've got way too much money involved in politics. Several ways to handle that. One is, of course, is to strip the power from the politics, right? You know, meaning if so much wasn't at stake, right, there then there'd be less reason to be, uh, you know, a, a grifter, uh, you know, skimming off the top, right? You know, accepting bribes, right? Uh, whether direct or indirect. I love uh, that. And by indirect, I mean people that work in a regulatory agency for years and years and years and then suddenly when they retire they're hired you know multi-million dollar salaries into the same industries they used to oversee so you know that the implication either explicit or implicit is if you treat us right while you're in government office right we'll treat you right on the other side of this whoa you know book deals right you know stuff like that so um you know we've got way too much money influence in politics and money comes from court corporations, which is why we have corporatism. I'm a huge fan of a free market. We don't currently have a free market. We have a market with the government's got their hand, thumb on the scale. And because the government can't put their thumb on the scale, we have a lot of corporations willing to pay the government to put their thumb on the scale. Wow. Right? And that's where you get what we need. Wow. You know, where you, that's where you get what we're not what we need, but that's where you, where you get the current situation. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, these Silicon Valley companies, yes, technically they're called companies on paper, and technically they're called capitalist companies, but but in my opinion, mm-hmm. I always call them the next evolution of the Soviets, right? You can call mm-hmm. yourself a company, just like a lot, of co- uh, a lot of these communist nations call themselves People's Republic of whatever. You can call yourself whatever. But it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's really boils down to what you actually do in reality. Um, so that's a huge point. And I love what you said, too, mm-hmm. about if so much weren't at stake, right? And that's what, that goes back to what I was saying with, with Apple, right? The reason why they're so brutal at attacking their own users about locking their own users out of things, the reason mm-hmm. why Google and Apple are so ultra paranoid is because t- so much is at stake. You don't even realize how much is at stake. You remember a couple of years ago when the celebrities had their iCloud accounts hacked and their naked pictures yeah, were getting yeah, yeah. out there? That's mm-hmm. tip of the iceberg, right? Your naked pictures right. in your iPhone is tip of the iceberg. Apple knows everything about you. All your text messages yeah. are being recorded. Um, yeah. So it, that's why I love simple things like Mail.com. It's just email. It's not an overarching Google account that controls your whole life. It's just straight email. So they don't have to be brutal because not so much is at stake. Yeah, it's yes, correct. It's it's crazy and it's nuts to be sure. Right. Final thoughts. Brilliant, Mr. Daniel Andrews. <laughs> well, uh, I, it would be remiss of me not to make this effort at some form of public relations and not reference my website. I, I don't have anything to sell you on the website. I don't have a lead capture tool. I won't trade you your email address for something of dubious or even infinite value. I don't. I don't have a drip campaign. I, I don't do that. But if you want to find me, you can't find me by Googling me because my full name, Daniel Patrick Andrews, is identical to a bombastic Australian parliamentarian. He used to be the premier of Victoria. Really? And you can't, if you search for my name, you will lose me in a million search returns that are not me. But my website, danielpatrickandrews.com. Daniel Patrick Andrews, just like you think it would be spelled, .com. Right. Uh, you can find me there. You can get to my LinkedIn uh, from there. If you want to find me on LinkedIn, you can get to a 15 minute link to my calendar if you'd like to do that uh, to start a dialogue about you know whether or not there's some great testimonials there. It is a fairly weak website. If you make web designs, please don't solicit me. It looks exactly like I want it to look. I don't really have a lot of need for it, Love but it. Uh, because I do believe in relationships, but it. uh, it's it's there. It exists. But if you're not experiencing more referrals not leads, not prospects, not suspects, <laughs> quality, qualified, warm introductions. If you're not experiencing more than you can handle in your business, we need to fix that. And uh, I can coach on what we call ninja network building skills. I'm starting your cohort February 1st, so don't delay getting in touch with me because I guarantee the last two weeks of January we will be filled with sales calls, and you'll want to have gotten into a conversation with me about whether or not ninja can support you before that and after yeah, I'll meet with somebody, you know, 15, 20 minutes, no problem, just to learn who they are, not to sell you anything. But uh, I'm willing to meet anybody because, you know, introductions and relationships are, you know, what I'm known for. And the more people I meet, the more people I can introduce, you know. So I'm happy to invest 20 minutes with somebody without even discussing whether or not they're a prospect for me. Networking uh, ninja. You know. um, but the way to get to that is to friend me on, you know, go to my website, danielpatrickandrews.com. Send me a LinkedIn connection request or dig around on that page and find my calendar connection. But if you send me a LinkedIn connection request, I'll give you a 20 or 30 minute link on the, on the website. It's just a 15 minute link. 
So, yet another example of someone I'd like to talk to all day. Thanks so much for joining us. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, visit my site, thecomputerexorcist.com. Buy my book for everyone you know. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Oh, <laughs>